This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Jerry Knott, on most of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, a to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks, AmericanFireworks.com. Uh, all of those, including you guys listening who have supported us for a long time. It is Labor Day weekend in a couple of days. American Fireworks is back open. Their standard hours, maybe even longer hours. They are open all the time at AmericanFireworks.com. <laughs> Dre, first good morning, but before I let you talk, I had a thought the other day. So, you know, obviously everybody's... Wait, 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 wait. I, we, I forgot something. Happy birthday. We've let your birthday slide by in this uh, unbelievable year. Well, I'm, I'm too and old to celebrate and birthdays. You, and, and that's what you wanted. It just hit me as we were doing this. <laughs> we got through your birthday without anybody ever recognizing or realizing you just got older than old as shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been old as shit since I've been about 24-ish. So I would say 18, but yeah, same difference. <laughs> no, you didn't know 18-year-old Zach. I'm glad a lot of people didn't. So a few who listened did. Um, but I Zach in his 20s is all I need to know. Yeah, so obviously everybody's um, – you know, routines and lives have been, you know, disrupted these last six-ish months. So, you know, one of the things for me was was podcasts and not only us doing it. And we kind of agreed long ago that until we have stuff to talk about, it doesn't need to be that big of a priority, right? And then over the last X amount of weeks, we've been back in our jobs, which has been a huge adjustment. But, you know, I, I would have a number, probably four to five regular podcasts where I wouldn't miss, right? I might catch up a week right. late, but I wouldn't miss. And then I would have a number four to five, uh, another four to five that, you know, depending on if I was working, walking, chilling, whatever I would do. Well, I was sitting here the other day in this exact spot, and this is why I thought of this. And it was time to just block out the world for two or three hours and get some writing done and get caught up on some things. And so I started going back, trying to catch up on some of my podcasts and the first thing I do is like fast forward through the first couple minutes because I'm trying not to hear the introductions, the reads, the bullshit that goes on. Right. right so then right, I'm like, right. I know people do that for us, which is fine. So I just was curious if you do the same thing. Oh, yeah. At least with ours. And, and look, they have those people that they pay a lot of money to go to radio stations and tell bad radio hosts how to be better. And they're not because they just aren't talented enough. And they, that's one of the things they tell them is, you know, stop with your common you know, start to get right into sports. I think some podcasts have fun beginnings um, that I will listen to, but absolutely there are podcasts where I just jump the five minutes in because I don't care about, you know, I don't care about what you think is funny and saying hello. Um, I think our intro is funny because um, obviously with our podcast, there's always some sinister backstory as to why we do things a certain way. Um, and I think at one time I used to, I used to open up the podcast shit six, seven years ago. And I would be going a mile a minute trying to get everything in. And then once we found out that certain radio station program directors didn't think you were seasoned enough, uh, our middle finger back to them was to let you start the podcast and let you show that you could. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that. I forgot I don't about forget that. that. I don't forget that type of stuff. And that kind of became the way we began. It really, that really was an insulting thing. Yes. It is. But yeah. you got to realize, you got to realize, though, that same. Uh, I'm going to be careful. But that radio station still has hosts that can't host their own show. So, therefore, you tell me who's getting themselves better. Um, and I ain't trying to fight with everybody trying to be mean. That's just a fact. <laughs> that's just a, 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 a bona fide fact. 
Um, beginning a podcast can't be weird. And trying to find subjects and how to go into subjects always a little different. I will say this. Um, because sports have been so goofy this year, just because the world's been so goofy this year, it's funny you brought up listening to different podcasts and things of that nature. I have caught up myself listening to podcasts that I never thought I would listen to before. And I'm going to give you two names of podcasts. Like when I cut the grass yesterday, I have been listening, and I'm going to sound like a uh, company man. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not a company man uh, to any of the companies that pay me. But iHeart Media has a podcast on the Piketon Massacre. You remember like three, Yeah, four you know years what? Ago it's funny went... because I've heard the commercials for that and I want to listen to this, yes. but I haven't yet. Yes. yes. And, it is, and, and like, look, you know I listen to, you know I usually listen. Look, I listen to Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson do podcasts. <laughs> so I'm, it's, not like, it's not like I'm looking for the intelligence of, of all the world to blow me away on a podcast. But the Pikes and Massacre podcast has been really good. And you know what it led to me to yesterday? I was, and I was actually frustrated because I was like, damn, I'm out of the pod, I, you know, I'm out of the Pikes and Massacre. What should I move on to? Uh, iHeart also has one on the Gold Club. Remember the Gold Club down in Atlanta? I've heard some stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they've got a great one on the Gold Club that I started yesterday. It's called Racket Gold Club. And it's funny you bring up the beginnings because, obviously, um, when you're talking about the Gold Club, the, the title for the first one that I used to listen to yesterday um, is called Asshole Naked. How could I not listen to Asshole Naked in the first podcast for the Racket racket Gold Club? Asshole Naked. Yes, I'm giving them some love. It has been very interesting to hear this very polite woman try to do this podcast about strip club and explain to you Asshole Naked. (laughs) Yeah, so since we're here... um, you know, for many years, and, and obviously, like podcasting, it, it has boomed. It's booming still. It's it has. It's certainly. I don't think has reached its peak, but it's it it has boomed over the last couple of years and continues to. Um, you know, one thing you and I have talked about sometimes in front of the microphones and off is like doing like documentaries or being more involved in longer form things, right? So, right. I think you know not only was podcasting not really huge five six years ago. Um, but the thought that you could do that because we had, you know, maybe not gotten to the idea of a formal pitch. And then, you know, you're on TV all the time. But unfortunately, that TV station has a limit of people under 65 that they can have um, at the same time on some of their shows. But like we could do, you know, more like storytelling podcasting like that. Right. Right. Um, right. It's not no the format that we've used. Right. But, I, I, you know, but we could do I, it I do like that. came to it. Right, absolutely. I mean, and this is this is where A to Z probably could use um, the right. I don't want to say producer. A producer, I guess you could use the word because, like, I see the Browns are going direct and doing their like top five games since they returned. And Jen and I chuckled the other day because ABC, or the local ABC network, was showing the Browns game from '07, I believe, or no, from from '08 when they played the Giants on Monday Night Football and Braylon Edwards. Showed everybody right. he was an acrobatic, um, and came up. <laughs> that's an inside joke on top of an inside joke. And it's amazing that 2008 HD TV was so bad compared to what we have today. Yes. Um, but it was funny because we had it on for like two seconds, and Jen goes, "You were on the sideline for that game," and I go, "Yeah." She goes, "Man, you and Zach were real assholes back then." <laughs> and I just turned the channel. But like, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, 
you know, and, and it goes off of what you're saying. I was like, if we had like somebody that put all of our all of our thoughts and ideas, and 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 somehow put them in a in a in a in a list, we could do a hell of a podcast on like that game. And that's not taking anything away from the guys that do the show and the dog pound or dog puppy or dog whatever they do, but we were there. Like you know, like we could go through that 2000. There there are things that we've seen in life that we could do a very educational podcast that would be entertaining without us bringing up asshole naked. Um, to get reviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, now some of that, I know that's going on league wide and some of it is, you know, these yeah. teams have these rich contracts with, with these TV providers. And I mean, for mm-hmm. three Browns preseason games, I mean, that means a lot to channel five, right? And Absolutely. Then the preseason okay. games get whacked and they need something like I know across just following it across the league. You know, uh, they've broadcast scrimmages or they've done other specials or things like that. Um, you know, it, it, take it from someone who wrote a book on the first 20 years of the Browns. Like, the list of great memorable right. moments is pretty fucking short, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, but, and at some point, maybe when we get older and we actually recognize your birthday and my birthday, but we won't for about 10, 15, 20 more years, <laughs> that should be something that we should look into, though, just doing podcasts where we can give the – the history. I, I think that's been a kind of a cool thing to do this year, though, has it not? To, to find people that can podcast or talk. Or what do they call those? Like the um, when they write about or they break down like a, a whole situation and they write. Ah, I can't think of the word of it right now. But they are interesting in this time of the year. I'll think about it at like 10 o'clock tonight when I'm trying to figure out why Frankie Lindor doesn't hit with runners and scoring position. That's a whole other conversation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. The joys. The joys. <laughs> but I, I do think it's and you you make a great point and I'm glad because now I'm watching football go through what we kind of went through in baseball um, and it frustrated us because as you said you have these huge TV deals um, amongst teams and TV networks and the main thing that these TV networks and Andre has to be very careful right now because I got to get my last 20 games in one way or the other um, <laughs> it's a business right yeah. And Channel 5, can, we, they can talk about being family, and I'm just using them as an example. We could be talking about the Cowboys. We could be talking about anybody. Um, we can talk about, the, you know, being a family and being together, and maybe we do some, you know, do some nonprofit stuff, you know, together and raise some money for people. But let's be honest, it's a business deal. Channel 5 didn't go in and spend millions of dollars to be the Browns, you know, preseason broadcasting partner for, you know, to do – you know, to do charity work. They did that to make money. Or to show building the Browns. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That show actually, I don't watch it a lot. It's actually not terrible. No, it's, it's not, a great it's show. A, they, do, they do a great it job with, with the resources and restrictions on that. Of course, it's not they, an unfiltered really hard knocks. It's a team show, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, it, and, they, and if you know what, though? It is still perfectly for the fan. Like it's, a, it's a good show to kind of get, I mean, especially in a year like this when you can't go to training camp, you can't as a fan and see anything. I, look. I get it. Those are the shows that should have the cheerleaders and should be the pop. You know, you're not going to, they're not going to break down the, the defense and break down why a guy sucks and why a guy is in here in Cleveland, but it's a good enough show. If you're a fan, I got no problem with it. Um, but I mean, we went through this in baseball where we had all these great ideas for shows and great ideas for different things we could do. And then you just realize that what they pay for production to do TV games and, and the games just cost so much that they weren't going to just run us out and put us on TV and waste money. Yeah. They would rather play a game 15 times over that we already know about because that right. is easier on the pockets of the TV production. Well, I think what's cool about podcasting, and I'm, you know, we're, we're talking about us here, but we're talking to the listener as, as always. Like, 
it's so individualized, right? Like if you're into certain yeah. things, like you can find a podcast and you listen to the radio and, you know, even the good shows or even the good segments, like you just might not be interested in a certain guest or they might sure. devote the 20 minute segment to a certain thing. And, and it's not for you. Whereas on the podcast, you just press fast forward. Or you listen to, you know, like I listen to a Rosillo pod and I think he's really good and it's one of my favorites. Like he had three guests on one. I listened to the first. I wasn't interested in the second. I fast forwarded yeah. and listened to the third, you know, the other day yeah. while, while I was writing. And, and I think that's, you know, kind of how it goes. Like just just for example, you know, I'm carving out some time in my day here for the simple reason of we we have a fantasy football draft on Sunday, uh, the Galley Boys. Mm -hmm. So I have a fantasy football pod queued up. So I'm going to carve out 40 minutes or so to get my fat ass off the couch, go for a walk or whatever, and listen to that podcast then, you know? So you're going to motivate, you're going to motivate me on that. I'll be honest. <laughs> I haven't been, I haven't been overly motivated on, on, on fantasy football. And I don't like, maybe it's just a year, but we got to like, I just haven't, and maybe that's what I need to do. Um, I heard a segment on a radio station the other day and I kind of just rolled my eyes, but you know, like I, it's weird right now. I, I'm just being honest and it's going to be weird to draft and I, and you'll be good at it. I know you will be. Um, some people are going to take advantage of just knowing what they know when it comes to fantasy football. Um, and some people are going to be, I mean, this is going to be a weird fantasy football season if everything goes through right. 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 <laughs> like, cause it's like, you don't, if without seeing anyone play and see how they set things up, um, I, I remember I, I heard on um, on the Bull was doing an interview yesterday with some CBS fantasy guy, and they were talking about sleeper running backs. And to me, you can win fantasy leagues if you know the third string running back that'll be playing, you know, all of October, and November, right? Like it's easy in Cleveland to know who the backup running back is and who could, you know, could get who could get you, you know, eight catches a game or whatever else in Kareem Hunt. Sure. But who knows who the New York Giants or Jacksonville Jags? especially with Jacksonville just cutting Leonard Fournette. Look, and I'm glad you actually brought this up because you actually got me wanting to actually talk fantasy football, and I haven't wanted to all year long. <laughs> um, like, I haven't. I'm being honest. Like, I just haven't. I've, this has been a different year. But, like, a guy like Fournette, he's, somebody's going to pick him up, don't you think? Like, yeah. he's not going to just sit and watch football like us. Right. Um, somebody's going to pick him up at some point in time, you know? Or is Benny Snell a guy that becomes, like, the, I, I guess what I'm saying is, that's when people like you and I enjoy watching preseason games. We're the ones that are willing to watch the fourth quarter because we're watching some running back that we knew about in high school or we knew when they were playing in college and they're finally getting their shot. I think it's going to be hard to find those sleepers for the average fan um, because that's how you win these fantasy, these fantasy leagues sure. is knowing the third, fourth running back that may pop up because of the injuries to the first two. Yeah. I mean, listen, for as much as a football geek as I am, and, and there has been years I've been – successful in fantasy football there's been years i've been awful in fantasy football right um yeah one right. time jerome harrison hit me the jackpot remember that december he had in 09 yes, yes. Like record setting yes. you know i picked yeah. him up it was brilliant nobody he's got, he's got a, yeah he's got a jersey in the hall of fame because of that ball. i'm not sure it is draft on august 31st that jerome harrison's uncle picked jerome harrison right right but by december 16th he was carrying it 33 times a game he was toting that thing. You know, like, that's the one thing Eric Mangini likes. White linebackers, a little running back, and small as <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You know, Jerome had that. Brain. What did Jerome have, the brain tumor? Uh, I hope he's doing yeah, well. I, was, I hope he's doing well. I was going to say shout out to Armani Bryant. I just read a story on him as well. Yeah. Uh, former Browns that are dealing with some, some, some physical ailments and things of that nature. Um, so it's a tough story. I mean, the Jerome Harrison one just crushed me a couple of years ago. I wish 
we knew more information on how he is today. But our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family because Jerome was a really good dude. A quick story. Um, after I was no longer the Browns sideline reporter anymore and I had to go to Strictly Radio for a little while, my man Scott Smoot, who now works for the WWE um, and works for the Cavs, and he's lo- so if you know him, you know him, and nobody's like Smoot. So one night after we got tanked, and I was in depression mode 101, basically drank till three in the morning down South Cleveland and prayed to get home, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dog, I got to I gotta put a, a, a tape together. You know, I, I got I to gotta get out of this funk. I can't, I can't just, you know, sit back and be pissed off. So Smoot goes, Dre, get some of your tapes. Um, he's like, get, all, get, get some of your videotapes that you've done for Brown, you know, your Browns TV and your STO work. Um, put it all together. Meet me at, you know, at the queue. It was a queue at the time, and he was like one of the producers for one of their uh, their shows. And he was like, "When I get done with work, you know, I'll get you in, and we'll go sit in my office, and we'll make you a, a demo tape." And the demo tape started. My demo tape that I have not updated now in over twelve years, um, which is crazy to say this in twelve to ten years. But the demo tape started with me interviewing Jerome Harrison at training camp. And our running statement between anytime I get a new job or anytime something happens in my life, Smoot texts me, training camp, training camp, training camp. Like, because that was, that was the answer that Jerome Harrison gave me to start my demo tape was an interview of me and Jerome Harrison and Jerome Harrison. I was like, well, how you feeling, Dre? How you feeling, Jerome? And Jerome's like, Dre, you know how it is. Training camp, training camp. And that's how my demo tape That's exactly how he talked. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly, I swear to God, my demo tape, if I could find it right now, it starts with Jerome Harrison saying, you know, Dre, training camp, training camp. <laughs> well, um, and, then it, and, then it, and then it goes to Josh Griffith. So that's my, that's my, uh, that's how I got my jobs in TV. <laughs> one one quick note is that Jerome Harrison is is obviously our obscure Cleveland Brown uh, of the week. Here we had a sponsor <laughs> for that segment last year during the season. We don't this year. Hint hint. Um, two things <laughs> though on that one. Uh, at that stage of our lives, a lot of great ideas were born at three a.m. Right? Some some not so yeah. great, but yeah. a lot of them were. And two, I'm sure that was a great um, way to lead your reel because you and Jerome saw right eye to eye. You're both five, five and a half in <laughs> shoes. <laughs> yes, we saw eye to eye on things. No, but so here, I knew that was coming. <laughs> here, here's my actual best Jerome Harrison story. So, 09, when he breaks that record, right, and has that big month, that was, that was my last year working for the Browns, right? I, I left in March oh, yeah. 10, so the 09 season was it. So... In 10, at the end of the year, the Browns had traded him at the trade deadline, you know, for like a seventh or, you know, some whatever. Mm-hmm. So that December, I went to my first Browns game in a long time just as a fan. Oh, went with a bunch of friends in a limo. It was like someone's going away party or something like that. You know, just a bunch of 30-ish or younger or a little older acting <laughs> 18-ish idiots going up to a Browns game. Well, it was freezing cold. The team was terrible, but we've all seen this movie before. So yes. the limo is parked right behind the stadium, and like there's not even any push to, to leave because there's so little traffic, right? And this guy walks up, and he's like, I got tickets, and we buy two tickets for $10, me and my friend Pat, as we're sitting there getting our winter clothes on in the back of this limo, and on the ticket is Jerome Harrison, who had been traded four weeks before. Oh. Uh... And that was oh, a whole different so ownership regime ago. So. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the Browns. That's our squad. 
I remember that time in your life. There's been some time, man. See what I, we could do some. We could we could break down that game he had in Kansas City, and we could do a podcast where we get Jerome and we get uh, Josh Cripps because both of their jerseys went to the Hall of Fame because of that game in Kansas City. Yeah. And I remember you and I went out to dinner the night before. Did it ended up at the at the hotel bar uh, because Deke and I can't I cannot and Spencer I know you listen and I love you. And I know your son just had his birthday because Deke sent me a picture this morning of his grandkid, and I said, thank God he looks like his grandma, not his ugly grandpa. <laughs> and I got a middle finger texted back to me from Deke because I love him. Um, but I remember we came back from where we were at some dinner, and your great boss that you had at the time, wink, wink, somehow ruined our dinner. And I somehow in Kansas City, and I just brought this up with a bunch of Indians players when we were doing something, I missed the bus to that game. There's only <laughs> in Kansas City. I missed the bus. I don't know how. I, we didn't stay out that late. I was late as we wanted to because there was something work-wise you got caught up in and I got caught up in sitting at the at a hotel bar with Deke who could break down at where every person worked and did at that bar because Deke is unbelievable at hotel bars on Saturday nights on the road. And I'll never forget I woke up and it was just like in Cincinnati. I only missed the bus in my career twice. Once in Cincinnati where you had to come wake me up in my room. That's a whole other story. And you and you had to walk me to the game like I was 10 years old. <laughs> I did. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Steinbach loved that story. And then the Kansas City game where Jerome went off and Josh went off. And your quarterback was Notre Dame's finest, Brady Quinn, who heard it. Because I, I remember walking off. I left. We, when we went to the bus, I limped off with Brady. Um, but I'll never forget missing the bus in Kansas City and having to take, and, and you know when you got to bring like your suitcase, all your work stuff, and it's it's like it's, it's the walk of shame times three thousand, right? Yeah. When you got to walk into the, the like you usually come into the to the field with the team, you usually come in so you, nobody checks anything. Well, I was the embarrassing guy that had to come in a, ta- a taxi. Uh, this is before Uber. Had to taxi to the field with my suitcase. There was no way of hiding that I was late or that I missed because I had to go to the, I had to go through the locker room with my suitcase and everything else, and I'll never forget the look Eric Mangini gave me. I, I just knew Jim Brown is the one that said, "Hey, young man, where, where are you going with all that luggage?" And I remember just going, "Jim Brown, please, like this is not the time. I need you need to get some motherfucking cookies." <laughs> it helped me. Go have a cookie, Jim. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> 9 a.m., Jim. You know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but that game, was I'll never forget. And we could break it down like it was, I mean, because Cribs was crazy good in that game. As And, hey, and shout out to Cribs. Uh, he's done great on the Browns coverage I've saw so far this year. It's been fun to hear him get hyped over very little. He's good at that. <laughs> That's one way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so point being, um, you know, that's what's so cool about podcasts is you can, you can find them for anything like the Kentucky Derby's on Saturday, right? And I'm not into it nearly like I am. It's not the first Saturday in May. The world's been turned upside down, but guess what? Like there's three college football games on Saturday. It would normally be the first Saturday with 80 college football games, you know? Um, so Somewhere out there, there's a Kentucky Derby podcast that I listen to every single year. It's usually a golf podcast, you know, which I don't really know much about golf, um, other than which courses allow me to bring my own cooler and which ones don't. So, <laughs> but I keep that bookmarked because every year of this golf expert 
who's based in Kentucky, apparently has a couple of guys that come on that are from Ireland that know everything about horses and they talk about who's bred to run the distance and who's this and who's that. And, you know, last year I had the second place finisher in the Kentucky Derby at 23 to one because I listened to this podcast. So, you know, um, in that I had the second place finisher and then he won because maximum security got disqualified and and all that stuff. But uh, even though that was 16 months ago, it feels like 16 years. It feels like we're talking the story of of Kansas City um, way, way (laughs) I do remember that walk to the stadium in Cincinnati. I was like, Joe, you Uh, have to go this way. Like, just follow the river. You're like, man, I don't, I've had a rough night. I don't know which way (laughs) it's which. Oh, that's one of the that was a walk of shame. That was, oh my god! That I'll was a walk. That face. was a true walk of shame. Yes. Uh, that was, but that was, you know, and I might be wrong. Was that the Bengals game where uh, Da threw like eight interceptions in four seconds? It may have been. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it it could have been. I. Yeah, we had a lot of trips in Cincinnati together. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and then for a while, that's where my all all my college buddies lived. So right. Right. You know. We had some good times. Yeah, the one time we went up in the hills, and I was like, ain't no black people up here. I got to be good. <laughs> we had a lot of good times up there. We had a lot yeah. of good times. Yeah. Um, so Oktoberfest fun, when they would have that. They're doing that virtually at Cincinnati. I just heard. It's, the weird thing is you hear stories now. Like I heard like on the news the other day, like Oktoberfest festivals in Cincinnati will be done virtually. And the first thing I think of is Ocho Cinco walking through it with, right. with Braylon. <laughs> just hanging out. Yeah, man, um, we're old. We're old. Like, yeah. I, I was really glad you didn't acknowledge my birthday, quite frankly. But uh, I will say to my friends that are listening, it was cool to get you know texts and hear from people that I that I don't normally get to see or only get to talk to every now and again. But my response was thank you. But we're we're done celebrating them. And um, right. you know, a week from I tomorrow is the first NFL game. So yeah, it's kind let of let me here. ask you something. You- okay. Did you watch the college football game last week? I did not. I it was okay. it ended up being late on Saturday night, and I had planned to watch it. At the last minute, we ended up just hanging out on a friend's patio, and uh, I don't think the game started till eight thirty or nine. And when we got back from the patio at nine thirty, nine forty-five, it was time to go to bed. So yeah, it wasn't that good either. It was. It's it's a weird. And I don't want to complain. Well, it was a, a, a not to cut you off, but I think it was a precursor. No, you had guys who weren't allowed to yep. play. Because they had had exposure right. to COVID through roommates or through whatever, their long sna- their long snapper couldn't play. I read that their first day. three long snappers couldn't play. So, yeah, yeah, and it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's something to watch. Um, you know, we've talked about the Big Ten. I don't know what's going on, guys. I, I know there's political messages out there, and I know the Big Ten looks really bad as the other leagues get closer and closer to playing. Um, regardless of what happens. I have a hard time believing it would be anything other than a 14-0 or 0-14 decision, right? Like, I I, I can't imagine that Ohio State's magically going to start playing on November 1st and the rest of the league isn't, but, you know, who the hell knows? It's an embarrassment. I mean, one way or the other, you just wish – you just wish there was some – I mean, because you're – I mean, they had to know. This is part of it. If you voted not to play, and like you said, we're not trying to get into the political parts of it – this is when you make a decision and you make a decision early, you got to stand by it one way or the other. Do you not like, like, look, I want Ohio state to play. I don't give a damn about Northwestern or Nebraska or anybody else. I want right. the Ohio state to play. Um, and to me, like you can't, 
it was a, I, I was going to, I'm not going to say it that way. Just to me, you knew you made this decision, right? And now all of a sudden, as you said, you see other leagues getting ready to play, you see other teams playing, and it's almost like the embarrassment's already over your face and you're, and you're shuffling backwards. Um, are you bending to the pressure of the parents? Are you bending to the pressure of the Nebraska, you know, people trying to sue you? Um, I don't know. The one thing I will say, and I know Zach said this in the last podcast that we had, um, and I don't even want to be political about it. It's not the commissioner that, that had the final South, like yes. to say. There was a vote by all the pre- – you said this the last time. I'm only repeating it because I feel like – and I know informa- people take information for how they want to take it nowadays. No one really cares about what the truth is one way or the other. But Kevin Warren did not make this decision solely on Kevin Warren. He didn't do it by himself. This was done by everybody else, but everybody only blames him is what I don't understand. Yeah, well, because he's made the target. and But, you know, as we talked about and as we talked about last week, like somebody has to be out in front of it, right? Um, it, it's been a clumsy response. It's been bad. Um, you know, they were the first to announce, right? Well, the Mac was first, but of the Power right. Fives, like – that that took some balls. Um, my question for both sides would be, you know, what's changed so much three weeks later, which part of me makes me think this whole thing is just posturing. But then you hear, like, Ohio State's president and AD, who would be the two most visible of among all their peers, are on the record saying, we, we hope there's a path back, right? Like, not third-hand rumors. Like, they're they're saying it. So... I don't know what's going on. I know it's a mess. Um, I feel bad for the kids. I just yeah. want to continue to say because that's what, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, Andre and Zach are mad because we don't get to do We don't have our favorite pastime on TV. We still have beer, though. Um, I feel bad for the kids. And, and we, you talked, you brought this up with me. I feel, I, the parents that are standing up for their kids, I get it. We're irrational for our children. Um, that's just part of being a parent. You will irrationally yell and scream for them even if it's not right because it's your flesh and blood. I get that. I'm not against that at all. I would fight the same way for my kids, I'm sure. Um, but I feel like, unfortunately, kids are the pawns in this political fight about <laughs> we still don't know what the hell is going on. No. I mean, look at base, look at baseball right now, and God bless it. Um, and we're getting through this season. And, 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 you know, fingers crossed, bank, across, bank account, you know, fingers crossed for me. We can make it through this month of September. Um, and I can put all my money in the bank and go hibernate until normalcy comes back, if it ever comes back. But Major League Baseball knows that thinking that we can just keep doing things how we're going to do it and get through the playoffs is a joke. They're trying to bubble up. Like, they see the NBA, and they're like, you know what? We get to the last week of the season, and we know who the playoff teams are. We're putting you on hotels, and we ain't letting nobody near you. That's right. And that's just part of how this sucker is going to go. Well, we're going to send half of you guys to California, half of you to Texas, and ain't nobody leaving until their team's eliminated. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think like this, I think as of yesterday or two days ago, there was two players in the whole NFL on the COVID reserve list, right? Right. Um, right. Facts are, like, everybody's been busy. Everybody's been locked in, trying to make teams, trying to catch up, trying to, you know, have practice every day they're right. allowed. Well, starting this week, like, the veterans get a couple days off because they clear everybody out and they make the roster decisions. And then they start shipping things around, and you really start getting to work on Sunday or Monday for the following Sunday. Well, guys are going to let their guard down, you know. Um, yeah, some they're going to try to go get. They're going to go see their girls. They're going to mm. see family members. They're going. You know how it is, mm. and I, you can't blame them. They're human beings. No, right? We are human, right? Right. No, I was just you know, doing some of the younger. 
Well, I was just so. doing my roster projection this morning, and I was like, you know, this team knows who its top two quarterbacks are. Like, they don't need a third, but in the COVID world, you do. Because I don't know. I was losing, I was losing eight fifty the other morning, so I was like, they don't even know who their starter is. Well, we could talk about that in a minute, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they know who their starter is. Let's let's put it that way. Um, they they know who their starter is, and and we'll see. Uh, I think the offense they're going to run two Sundays from now in Baltimore will make Jim France proud. Um, that's probably how it should be. So I'm okay with that, Zach. No, Zach, it's exactly Zach, what know. it should be. Yes. Yeah, yes. man, you got two of the best premier running backs in the game. There's so many questions, and, and, and passing games are all about timing and all about spacing and all those other things. The smart coaches, and, and I don't know Stefanski. I haven't been to a practice. I, I've watched a little building Browns, a little bit of this and that. To me, you hell yeah, I would get Jim France and Johnson Stone out if I was Kevin Stefanski, and I'd be running veers and everything else until until I was comfortable enough to play. And – you would like to think that it would keep injuries down if you could run the football, control the clock, all very um, not sexy words to use in football in 2020, right? But it may win you a couple football games until you figure out who the hell you are. Well, two things. All these jackasses that say, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's no correlation between running it 25 times and whatever. Well, that is the best way to help your defense, right, is keep them off the field. Um, yes. get, get those guys those touches. And when you have a rookie, 21-year-old rookie left tackle with no preseason, and you might have a 21-year-old rookie center with no preseason, like Mm. the best way to get that line going and get them some confidence and get everything moving is just to run block and keep it simple, right? Yeah, And no doubt. The thing with Treader, and and I don't know know, where where he stands, can he get back? I mean, from a mental standpoint, as long as he gets back, he can can play. But – you know, if he's not ready for next week, that second game's in four days. There's one real practice. If you need him to get out there and go through practice at least at 75% speed and know that he can trust the knee and know that he can make the reads in, in real time, then I'm not sure that the second game's a given either, right? So yeah. Yeah. so that is complicated. Um, I'll just say this about camp, and then we'll talk Clevenger trade, and, and we'll get out of here. You know, it hasn't been pretty, especially offensively. A lot of that is understandable. A lot of that is expected. I'm not writing anyone off on anything uh, short-term or long-term because, A, you know, I've had training camp observations before, some of them that are really, really right on, some of them that aren't, but even some of them that are right on for weeks one, two, and three get flipped because that's the course of an NFL season. You ride the wave, teams adjust. Teams know you inside and out, your strengths. And if you're not always evolving, if you're not always getting better, and you're not developing your own identity where all your players, not just your quarterback, are getting comfortable in what you want to do, then you're getting left behind. We know here in Cleveland it's been getting left behind more than it's been anything else. You know, that's led to the constant change. That's been the reality. We'll see. Um, Has the quarterback looked good? No. Anybody that says that he has is is lying to you. that really doesn't matter because he's zero and zero. The head coach is zero and zero. The left tackle is zero and zero. We'll see how it goes. And even if they get shelled in Baltimore, and they might, what does that really mean in the grand scheme? It just means that game's over with, and they're on to the to the next part of their growth. I mean, this well, we learned that last year. Yeah, well, twenty five practices or thirty practices that were lost. This is where all the change catches up with the Browns, right? 
But no season right. has ever been over, good or bad, on September 18th or September 26th or whenever the hell it is. You know, you can beat the Bengals. You can certainly beat the Washington football team. And, boy, do they st- – they, they might have the worst roster in the whole league. So, you know, you so. can lose, and then you can just be fine right after that. Oh. I, I think this is going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year. And, and look, the the way it's set up, it should help veteran teams. Um, that's just the reality of it. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a, you know a struggle for teams that are trying to implement new things. I think that's why you and I are sitting here saying, dummy it up, find your best you know five ten running plays. Hell, sometimes your best running play is the same running play. You just run it right, run it left, yeah. flip the line, give a different look. Um, will you know you got a left tackle that's that's never played left tackle, and suddenly you're going to go and put him against oh, – look, the one good thing they have – and we can preview the game next week. Um, the Earl – I almost said Earl Campbell. Might as well be Earl Campbell. <laughs> I then almost said Earl Little. I got, I got, I got the wrong Earl. So I'm, 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 Little I'm, Earl. Um, oh, that's an that's a obscure Browns figure that we could tell good stories about. Yeah. Uh, the situation at safety for Baltimore is something that you'd like to take advantage of because of your receivers. Um Play action should work, and you should be able to suck them in if you can get a couple of good runs going early. Um, but, look, the defense for the Browns changed drastically after that Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, um, and it wasn't because of the helmet was thrown. It was because the guy that threw the helmet was no longer allowed to play. If he's healthy, he's your defensive savior. And I hate putting it on one guy, um, but his talent states it, his contract states it, where you drafted stated it, uh, and with the injuries they have in the back – and then with the injuries they have at linebacker, um, we can do shows, and I know it's sexy to do shows about Baker and what he can and cannot do um, and what he can and cannot see and what comments have been made about him. But, Zach, you know, if you can't score, if you can't stop another team, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. And Miles Garrett, to me, is going to have to put on a Superman cape for the first three or four weeks to keep them in games and put pressure on a quarterback because I just don't see defensively. Um, I heard Bull jump Daryl Ryder a couple of days ago because Ryder was talking about the Browns missing significant guys. And Bull yelled and screamed at him like he was yelling at his son. said, how do you know they're significant? And I thought it was just a terrible – and Bull, it's nothing personal. It's just There's a conversation. And, and I don't stand up for Daryl very often, but I stand up for what's right and what's wrong. And Daryl was just simply saying, look, man, these are the guys that this team said we're going to start on this defense. These are the guys that they pegged as defensive starters or guys that were going to play a lot of minutes. I got where Bull was coming from. Bull was basically saying the whole defense is trash anyway. Who knows if you're losing something. But when an NFL team pencils in certain guys to take 60, 70 snaps a night, and suddenly you don't have those 60 or 70 snap guys on your roster able to play, that's a huge step backwards, whether we know these rookies can play or not. Right, Zach? Yeah. Those oh, it's guys huge. Are the guys they were going to, it's huge. And, and Daryl was right. Like, that's huge. Whether they can play or not, that's a whole other story. But for the coaching staff who has had to work out of their basements and everywhere else, we don't know if Delphi is a star or not. But they had to find out because that's their job, because that's who they drafted. That's who they were going to cultivate to be parts of their defense. I know it's easier and it's sexier to talk about number six. To me, I worry that they give up 500 yards a game if – Miles Garrett doesn't have that cape on. That's my biggest concern right now. I know the offense will be what it'll be, but Zach, if they don't stop anybody, it doesn't matter. You're right. All those are valid points. Um, I'm going to save a thought on her a little for next week. 
because that, that's more of a season <laughs> preview. But I'm going to ask you one yeah. thing right now before we talk baseball. They, okay. they got to do – right. Everybody has to help number six, right? And they've done yeah. – on paper, they've done a phenomenal job of, of helping him. with. And I'm For telling sure. you, if you guys have fantasy football drafts like we do this weekend, draft Austin Hooper because, my God, he's a big horse, and Baker already loves him, right? I've heard the other – I've heard the one they draft is pretty nice too. Yeah, um, he's he's skinny. He's got a long way to go, but man, he he's very sure-handed, very smart kid. They can't they can't praise him enough for what he's doing to try to get gotcha. ready. Is he physically so strong enough red- right now? You know, but you I would mean, hope in a red zone that you would hope in the red zone though they got enough targets yeah. to be able to score touchdowns. I just think I think the reason they're not trading Najoku is because they can put him out there and at least ask him to block the guy in front of him the first four weeks of the season, right? True. And, and know True. that he'll at least give it a go. But let me ask you this. You had to bet that five dollar bill in your wallet right now. <laughs> you only get to pick one. Who's going to have a TV okay. job in five years? Me or Baker Mayfield? Who's your five bucks going on? Uh, Baker Mayfield. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too. Let's talk about money. baseball. <laughs> Baker will be doing TV next to Brady Quinn, next to all the other former Browns. Hey, I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I'm not going to do no Baker slander until the Baker slander is there. Um, he, hey, he's in shape now, supposedly, um, but he's got a lot of ground to make up. So we'll just we'll leave it at that. And we'll see. But what Goldhammer did the other day on radio was uh, irresponsible, and it's part of the problem we have with the media. Come on, man! If you like, don't do that. That that wasn't that was low brow. I'm going to say something. That most want to. You're better than that. All right, we can move on. Yeah. So anyway, the Indians traded Mike Clevenger. Um, there's a lot of layers to every decision made in pro sports, right? Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot to this one. Um, <laughs> I don't know any of the guys that they got back. I know one of them is their starting left fielder, right? Uh, but he's still a yep, young player. Um, yep. I know they upgraded the bullpen, right? Um, yeah, Quantrill's You know, Dre, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of the way to frame it, but you know what I'm asking. I mean – did Mike Clevenger get Ooh. traded because of Chicago or not? Uh, it's a convoluted question. I mean, that's part. It's. I mean, it would be it would be a lie to say that that didn't play into it somewhat. Is it the main culprit of why they traded him? No. Um, he was going to get traded at some point in time, regardless. Um, the Indians are who they are, and they have. Somehow, and this is one of those conversations that could take an hour, but we'll make it short. I mean, I decided to tell my daughter the other day. Um, this is what's been happening with the Indians since the 90s. So for us to stand on top of a, you know, top of a mountain and claim cheap or this or that, this is who they are. Um, and I think most intelligent fans understand whether we like it or not, financially, it's hard for them to compete versus everyone else. In a year where you don't have fans in the stands and you have no idea when fans will be in the stands next year um, and you already were financially backpedaling like you're getting ready to take on uh, an NFL offense, this just plays into that. Clev was going to get traded at some point in time in the next six months is the best way I could say it. If he made it through the season, um, there was a good chance in the offseason he was going to be moved because he was going to make more money. Is there multiple and layers to why they would move him when they could have had him for two more years? Yes. Um, part of it, I would say, is, um, and this is unfair to him, but part of it is his herky-jerky motion and, and the, the 
the fear that there could be some injuries with those knees and arms because of how he pitches. He was dealing with a balky knee most of this season already. Um, the influence, I guess, is the word that I'll use, um, that he could have had over other guys played into it. Um, look, I'm in a, I'll be honest. I'm in a weird situation because I like Mike. I know Mike really well. Um, and I'll know Mike really well the rest of my life. There's no doubt in my mind. My daughters know his daughters. My kids, you know, like, so I'll know Mike. And in my job, um, and Clevin and I had this conversation the other day, and I told him, you know, my job is to get to know these guys as best I can to tell their stories and to, and to tell who and what they are and how, you know, what makes it work for them and what they're struggling through. Um, it's not my job to tell every personal tidbit that I know about them. But to do my job the right way, I've got to find the 26, 30 stories and, and tell them. And I, and I try to do that the best I can. Clev is a really good dude that does some stupid shit sometimes. Um, <laughs> most of my friends fit that, that we category. Are. Me, me included. Um, so to answer your question, what happened in Chicago? Unfortunate. Um, as I told Clev, he can let this be his story or he can make his story way bigger than that. Um, I won't tell you exactly what I told him the other night before he was traded, but basically said, hey, this would be a good time to um, – um, I don't want to lure Ingram, him, but I basically did. I was like, this might be a good thing. I, I did. I'm being honest. And he would tell you. He'll tell you at some point in time if he comes on this podcast. I just said, hey, man, um, being the person that I am and knowing you, it would be a good time to stop tweeting, stop talking, and just go out and pitch and show everybody who you are as a pitcher and go make your money and go enjoy life. Um, and he will. And at the same time, the Indians have, you know, what they do with pitching is tremendous. And I know this not because of what I do every day at work. I know this because of talking to other people around baseball who are trying to crack the code that the Indians have and, yeah. and figuring out young pitching. Sure. And that's the God honest truth. If you want something to brag about for the Indians, I'm telling you, I get scouts, people that work in front offices, People that, that make a lot of money, they're trying to figure out what the hell the Indians are doing um, to continue cultivating and finding these young pitchers and turning these pitchers into what they are. Um, they think Zach Plesak can be as good or if not better than what they have in club. Um, they got a couple other kids coming. It's Tristan McKenzie's story has been phenomenal. Um, so, you know, they moved from a strength. I would like just like everybody else, for them to get an outfielder that can hit 300, because if you get an outfielder that hits 300, you take the pressure off of Frankie and everybody else, you got a chance to play the last game of the season. They're taking their risk that they can get to the last game of the, of the season with the best pitching in baseball, and we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, they're like second in baseball and run differential, and I know you fall asleep half the time listening to Hammy, but to say the Indians are in the top three, top four in run differential, considering they barely can score five nights out of seven, told you they've got something special if they can just figure out how to score five yeah, runs a night makes sense all right one one question and and then we'll get out of here the the trade was made at like lunchtime on monday right um yeah it was a little before lunch so th this is my assumption tell me too. so this can be a yes wait, or no question wait, wait wait but here's the dumb here's the dumb part you and i were getting ready to do a podcast i just left the cow practice and my back still killing me and i was good and then i texted you i was like well and you're like oh i forgot about the trade deadline and i was like Oh, don't worry. They're going to make a move with the Padres. And literally, as I text you that, you're like, yeah, that just popped up on, <laughs> on Twitter. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> you just, not, you know what? My, my question is canceled because you just provided the perfect way to get out of here. 
you're, your back is killing you because you're old, and we're talking about the Mike Clevenger trade. So that melds together the two things that are undefeated. And on that note, we'll talk to you next time. For Andre, I'm Zach. We'll talk to you. Thanks. Shout outs to Scene, to Honeymoon, and to American Fireworks. We'll talk to you next time on A to Z. Kanijiwa, chiropractor. <laughs>